Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones, and this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. Coming to you for, uh, you know, we actually missed out on uh, making a big deal. Out of... No, don't do it. <laughs> okay. Well, don't we're... do it. <laughs> I know where you're going. This is number 70, I believe. Is that right, Pete? <laughs> yes. Yes, we're at number 70. All right. Enough said, Pete. The goal for this podcast is to not have to mark the explicit button. And iTunes. Indeed. And, and and like two seconds in, you're ready to like get us in trouble. <laughs> I already had to restart it because I was so far over the line. <laughs> People are listening to this going, I don't even know what's going on with these guys anymore. Hey, rest assured, everyone, I'm here to keep Pete Mitchell in tow. Yeah. And you, you know, I told you right I was title. um I'm working with Joey Roper's right hand guy. Uh, I always mess up his name. I'm going to try and get it right. He'll tell me on our call on Tuesday if I got it right or not. But it's Janos. If I were a rich man. Yeah, right? he's um, like he's German. They're, uh, you know, you know not, 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 not a Jew. Anyway. I, I don't know. It just sounded like some language I don't know. Well, what's funny is, is his name, he goes, no one in Germany can say it right. And then no one in the United States when he was over here could say it right. I'm like, dude, your parents totally just had it out for you, didn't they? And he's like, Oh, they yeah. probably can't say it right. <laughs> Actually, what it is is that he's been saying his name wrong all this time and just didn't realize it. So, But anyway, he was saying, I was talking to him, and he goes, you know, you guys are always talking about being unclean. And he goes... There's a lot of things in the Bible that are marked as unclean, so I don't know which one you guys are talking about. Yeah, you know what? I think we should just talk about it and like leave it up to your imagination. You can decide. Yeah, what are we unclean I mean, it could about? have been I touched a dead body today, you know? It could be. That's right. That was unclean. Could be I have a little mold in my house, maybe on my clothes. Just saying. That's could right. Happen. I totally forgot about that. You need to go back and listen to Peyton Jones doing Leviticus on ThroughTheWord.org. Or uh, just uh, maybe, I don't know, reread Leviticus. I could always do that as well. Wow. (laughs) That almost sounded like the train was beeping you out. Well, he's going slow because, you know, there's fires raging, man, everywhere. So he's just kind of being cautious. Yeah. That picture then, Adam, uh, what's his last name? Statmiller? Yeah. Another German name, of course. Of course. Um, was that his house that he took a picture of? Did you see that one on Facebook? And there's yeah. like just billows of smoke not behind far it? from his house. Yeah. Uh, Adam Statmiller, one of our guests, he's actually a, a fellow writer in Leadership Journal and um, a neighbor of mine, a friend of mine. And we had him on here. He's got a book coming out this year called uh, Praying for Elephants. We've had him on the podcast, but uh, he got evacuated out of his house. Mm. 
So, and you of course immediately told him uh, he can't stay at your house. No, we actually said the opposite. Uh, <laughs> my wife's immediately texting because we like to party with them all the time. They're cool peeps. But uh, anyway, never party yeah, with so, me and my wife. What's up? Because you won't drive. You won't drive. <laughs> what about you? Oh, you? You don't have a car. I have a car. Hey, but by the way, those pictures that your wife threw on Facebook of like what looks to be the coolest water slide ever, is that in your backyard? That's in my backyard, man. Why in the world are you not inviting me? I would so come go over, over there for that. Anytime. Hey, podcast listeners, by the way, you're not invited. But Pete, come over anytime, <laughs> man. <laughs> it would just get weird and funky if like all the podcast listeners brought their kids over to my house. I'm just saying. Well, all two listeners, what's up? <laughs> well, Joey Roper would have to get a plane from Germany. <laughs> and Janish. And Janish. Is, he, is he number two? What do you mean? Oh, of the listeners? Yeah, because we made up all those guys. Eh, I don't know. Right? I don't know that he really exists. My favorite uh, thing that happened this week with the podcast was a guy that tweeted, um, man, now I get the what? <laughs> I didn't see that tweet. Are you serious? Yeah. Yeah. He tweeted about it. He's like, I finally get the reference. So, <laughs> funny. Oh, that was such a great clip. I forgot to even hook up my iPad, so I've got no sound effects today. Yeah, it made me think of like all the things that we talk about that like we don't always revisit. Like I was thinking, man, we haven't talked about riding Pete's dragon in a long time. Mm, mi dragon es muy rapido, or is Hector always Pete's like dragon? <laughs> I like that. Yeah, Pete's man. dragon. I like that. I can't yeah. tell you how how growing up being a redhead and having the name Pete was just like, <laughs> and a pastor's kid. I I I, I was uh, hated by all. Pretty much. Not only were you like, you know, a, a white dude with red hair, but you grew up in an all black neighborhood too. No, I didn't live in an all black neighborhood. My church was in a, well, I don't know that it was all black. It was probably half black and half Mexican and then another half oh, okay. Asian. You know, we had three halves. Because I'm just guessing like you, you just, you know, you didn't have it easy growing up, man. No, where I lived, though, because our church owned a, a house. And so that was like part of my dad's salary was he got to live in the house for free. And um, there were like no real kids in that neighborhood. Like maybe one said, oh, no, I guess my next door neighbor. Yeah, there's some kids there. Yeah, but no, I guess it wasn't a white neighborhood, but it wasn't black. I don't know. I don't know what they were, actually, but they weren't black. Yeah, maybe they were well, black. Kids, maybe they were mixed. Kids, man, they could have been a half black, half white. Whole, actually, now that I think about it, yeah, my kids represent the whole world, man. I am in Carlsbad. I'm like down in Surfertown, and my my kids, man, I've got you know half white, half black daughter, and then my other daughter is Filipino, black, Mexican, and white. Like I've moved the entire world into my neighborhood. <laughs> I'm giving them total culture, man. <laughs> Yeah, all your neighbors though they go and talk to your one year old when things start missing. I, I just I think that's a stereotype though. That's just horrible. Dude, I'm telling you, we celebrate every holiday. It's like Cinco de Mayo. We're like, yeah, Kwanzaa. You know, <laughs> we have no clue what it is. We're like, yeah, Festivus, <laughs> Festivus, Festivus. Of course, Festivus for the rest of us. Star Wars Day. Hey, did we? We didn't even wish our listeners happy Star Wars Day. Oh, we didn't. You know what I just realized, though? We didn't even talk about, normally before we do the show, we talk about what we're going to talk about. We, I mean, we we haven't brought up anything. I mean, do we even know what we're talking about on today's episode? Yes. Yes. Okay, so we actually do have a topic today. This is Top Issues that Church Planners Face. This is the final series, or the final session of this series. So, you know, I don't know if you actually realize that we have a series running at the moment, because Pete and I don't obey it very well. <laughs> no. uh, we don't obey our own series. We're like the pastor who gets up there and goes, for the next 10 weeks, we're going to be in a series, and like two years later, he's done. Dude, you but, know what? I, I really, I've told you this before. I just don't like series at churches. I just, I just, I didn't know that because I don't, I don't pay attention to anything you say. I know, I know, it's true. I just, I, I don't like them. I, I, I've never liked them. I don't know. I'm more of a standalone no, well, episode you know, kind of guy. Come on. That's, that's like you know, between you and me, I think we're like you know the anti-pastor put together because I can't stand when people alliterate their points. You know, the three P's of you know. You know, what was a good one oh. this week is Charlie Marquez. The uh, man with the perfect hair, 
he posted on my Facebook a meme of John Luke Picard, like with his arms wide out, and he's like, "Why do all these songs sound like they're for chicks? Jesus wasn't a chick." <laughs> Talking about the praise songs, and I, like started getting all these comments because you know me, man. I've I've said it on the show. I so don't like praise music. I just every time I listen to our our, our music at at Refuge. I just think to myself, there is a huge disconnect between the community and the music that we play. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We definitely need to uh, to get some hip-hop and some... You know, I was talking with a, a church planner in Florida, and he was mentioning um, worship on, you know, almost like, uh, I don't know if he said rap or hip-hop or whatever, but I asked him, I said, do you mean worship on a mixing desk? And he goes, yeah. And I said, you know, you were the second person What's a mixing come across. Desk? What is that? You know, like a P. You know, you know, like a like a, a DJ man. Like you know, oh, okay. this, this, this is, you know, mix. You know, right. the pump up the volume. Whoop whoop, <laughs> your thing. You know, I got the power. You know, all that stuff you listen to. They, they just... All right. So uh, on a mixing desk, yeah, you you know, you just use like. Uh, almost like a DJ, like like MC house music stuff. And you never hear about people leading worship like that. Like back in my day, you had. How um, would you even um, lead worship like that? Well, we had a guy in, in my very first church plant who was a DJ who used to travel us in Europe now. He would travel onto the continent. We were in the UK. And uh, his name was Roly. And he was a guy I worked with at Starbucks. And he was a Christian. He was from Ireland. And uh, <laughs> he, um, he used to travel all around. He'd go to like Germany and do these like, you know. Um, you know, just, I don't know what you call him. Uh, it's not my scene, but he was like, hey, you know, can can I lead worship? And I'm like, what do you play? He's like a mixing desk. So maybe that's a European. Job. I don't know what you guys call it here, but. Um, but, but we call like, it yeah. two turntables and a microphone. Where it's at, baby. <laughs> <laughs> so two turntables and a microphone. That's what he did. And he was in our living room and it was awesome dude it was it was so cool and 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 i was like okay we're on to something here but tell me was that more of like a um a show like were you more entertained by it or did you participate as an audience with it yeah we participated and he had he did have one section where he's like right now i want you to listen and he had all these like tracks stepped in of like people talking and stuff it was pretty cool and then um you know it was like it had this chick come on and she's like Give God everything. And then it like had weird, funky stuff. And then it goes, your mind, your heart. And then, you know, I started getting a little bit wiggy. Your sexuality. <laughs> <laughs> Pete's like, woohoo. But no, it, it was cool. It was really cool. I was like, well, you know, I should be giving God my sexuality. It was, it was really, it was very meditative, that part. But the other part, man, it was just like, you know, it was, it, it's the music of the day. And, you know, C.S. Lewis said that the problem with worship is that people are worshiping God to second-rate lyrics set to third-rate tunes. And, you know, Mm. if we're honest, the music that we worship to isn't very good. And a lot of the writing is very trite. And, you know, I mean... Well, just like like what uh, we we interviewed yesterday, an interview that's going to play actually after this one, it's going to play on Wednesday, Um, we interviewed Drew Dick and um, something that he said... (laughs) Come on, don't get me started, man. We had for everyone who doesn't know, we had to ask Drew before we. I couldn't resist it. We no, we had to ask Drew before we started the recording because his last name is spelled D Y C K, and we're like, is it Dick? Is it Dyke? What what is it? What's the correct pronunciation? So so I broached it with Drew. We get him on the phone, and I'm like, so um, Drew. Just so we know correctly, um, how do you pronounce your last name? And he just starts laughing. And right then, we knew he was going to be a cool guy to interview. Yeah. And he uh, goes, he way cool. Yeah. He goes, either way, it's bad. <laughs> like, he knew the well, problem that was going on that, in our head. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and I wasn't going to tell him because you're like, Peyton, ask him. I'm like, no, dude. <laughs> no, I'm just fumbling into it, man. I'm just going to say his name. And if he, uh, if he corrects me, then cool. You know, but uh, but I'm like, hey, everyone already doesn't like me, so I'll I'll be the guy that I'll be the scapegoat. I'll be the guy who asked. Oh, not Peyton. He's the holy one. You know, the guy working the controls, the guy behind the curtain. 
Yeah, you yourself have said it. Yeah. So, oh, anyway, what he was saying on that interview with him was he goes, he said something along the lines of, yeah, you know, a lot of today's songs, you could sing them to a, um, a girlfriend, not just to Jesus, like, because it's all about love and la 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 and stuff like that. I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and, and so, you know, and speaking of that, I mean, his book was kind of, I mean, it was meaty and I like, I got to confess, I'm, you know, this would kind of shock people, but I'm a little bit old fashioned when it comes to, um, to worship. Not that I'm like, let's, let's sing hymns all the time, but those are my favorite, you know? Um, and, and this is what people don't realize. A lot of the like really awesome hymns that, that have kind of made it, um, were written during times of revival. And so there was a spiritual depth. It wasn't like the guys were just sitting around going, hmm, you know, how much, how much content can I cram into, you know, uh, eight pentameters? You know, they, they, they were literally being overwhelmed by the spirit of God at that time, uh, in their life. And God was just pouring, uh, stuff from the scripture in there. You know, they were having these experiences with God, you know, stuff that, that they were reading of. I, I mean, you can, I know it sounds weird, but uh, like I posted something on on Facebook. We we can and, and everybody reacted to it. And 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 what always gets me is the guys were like they don't have experience, but they've got a, more knowledge than they have experience. And this is going to sound weird because you know I mean we want to know scripture and we want to know theology and all that, but I find that sometimes guys are just so stinking top heavy where they've studied more than what they've lived and Hmm. the difficulty is that you get these guys and they want to argue with you you know about you know um cessationism um, blah 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 and i'm like hey man i've seen so many on the field of church planning i have seen so many cessationists change their stance because they come to a prayer meeting asking for a lord give the doctors wisdom and they leave healed well, it, it's really hard to argue theologically a cessationist stance when you've just been healed. And of course, you know, I'm talking about planning with guys from reform background, charismatic background. Um, they all get mixed in when, when I church plant. And you just, you know, so I'll be, I'll be there with these guys and they'll be kind of like arguing, you know, blah, blah, blah. But going back to the hymns, these guys, it wasn't that they were top heavy. It was that, they had the experience and the word came alive to them. Does that make sense? Suddenly they're like, that's what the scripture is talking about. The scripture was talking about boom, boom, boom. I've experienced, I know what that scripture means now. Like, like for example, um, uh, some of the, the, the best writing of first John, um, some of the best commentary on, on first John, uh, comes out of seasons of revival where, for example, uh, John writes, you know, by this we know, that we know him, um, or by this we know that we are children of God, for his spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are sons of God. Um, I wouldn't have the foggiest clue what to do with that, but you know, during times of revival, or you know, people that have had deep walks with God come in and say, That's when the spirit himself tells you, You are mine. And, and I was just reading, you know, I'm prepping hmm. for a book right now. I'm reading all these Puritans. I'm reading all these guys from the Evangelical Awakening, guys from the, you know, uh, from Britain on and on. And, you know, guys from the 18th century, you know, and they're just having these incredible experiences uh, at the dawn of the, the Great Awakening where God has just given them what we call assurance of salvation. And, um, and a lot of that stuff, it's the experience. And then they went to Scripture and it made sense. Does, does that... I kind of compute. Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. Um, so, so that's why I like the hymns because. You well, know, see, they, to me, they, I, I don't know. I, I'm obviously not a hymn guy either. So I, I no, pretty much. Say, yeah, no, I get it, man. You were raised on those. So you're probably like, <laughs> broccoli. Well, it's bleh. not because I was raised on them. It's because I don't care for that style of music. Well, that's the key right there. See, why, why carry on the style of music? You know, why, why not? kind of take that stuff you know they've done some great work i'm i'm fine with yeah jazzing it up i mean use the use the lyrics if you want i mean for crying out loud they're in the public domain and um and come up with some decent music to go along with it i'm all for that and i think that's i mean that is the core of why i don't like praise music i can't stand the actual music side of it not the words 
I can't stand the music. I mean, it's like any two-year-old can play a guitar. And so every church band's got to have a guy on the guitar. It's like, yeah. okay, I'm just, I'm really getting sick of this because there's three chords and it's over and over again. So, I yeah, no, I hear That's you. Me. I hear you. And, you know, it's interesting because there is a segue into our topic today. Um, our, <laughs> you know, like or that? so are you going to pull it that? back in? I like that. Of course. Of course. Here, here's our here's our topic today. Our topic is top issue number seven that church planners face the spiritual, physical and mental health of the planter and the family. And so I'm, I'm just going to the, the reason this connects is the important thing is that you worship, right? How you worship is another uh, thing. So, for example, I almost tweeted out the other day and I'll probably still tweet it. I was listening to the Foo Fighters. I, I run. I hate every, I hate every minute of running. So when I'm running, I like to distract my mind that way. Otherwise, if I just run, I, I'm running the whole time going, hate this, hate this, hate this, hate this. And so if, if I listen to a podcast or, you know, something funny or whatever, you know, music rock out. So I'm listening to Foo Fighters and they got this album called In Your Honor. And I swear to you, I felt like I was in a stinking cathedral. I was just worshiping. And to me, it doesn't matter. Like, you know, some people be like, oh, dude, you can't worship to the Foo Fighters. I can worship to whatever I want. Dude, I remember watching Spider-Man one time, uh, Spider-Man 2, you know, years ago when uh, they came out with the, what was his name? Spider-Man? Uh, yeah, you know, the Barney dude from Seabiscuit. And uh, he Barney played Spider-Man. Dude? You remember that? Well, yeah, no, you're talking about Tobey Maguire, but I'm trying to think who the villain was. Yeah, yeah. Who was the so, villain? Uh, it was, uh, it was uh, Doc Ock. Who's that? Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you. So, Did they also have the, um, the Hornet dude? Not Hornet. Um, Goblin? Green Goblin? Was he in that as yeah, well? Yeah, he was in there too. I, th- I think he died in the first one, but I think didn't the son become him in the second or third? But I don't know. Anyways. Anyway. So, like, the deal is I'm, I'm watching that, and seriously, man, I felt, because I, I had my butt kicked so bad at that point. Uh, I was church planning, you know, and I watched it, and I just felt like God was speaking to me through the whole film, you know. And so, you know, I would encourage you guys, man, like Spurgeon and the Puritans, they used to always say things like, you know, um, yeah, the Puritans were amazing on this. They believed that anywhere you turned in nature, uh, you could have God preach a sermon to you. Hmm. Um, and so they would, they would get everything like, you know, kind of like Solomon, go to the ant, you slugger. Well, if you want to learn about, you know, work ethic and look to the creator, how he, how he made the ant. If you want to learn about teamwork, you know, there's so much in that statement, go to the ant, you slugger that you could just pull out. That's amazing. And that's kind of what the Puritans did. And well, for me, of course, I'm a 21st century boy, right? So I'm, I'm going to be looking at film. I'm going to be looking at music. I'm going to be. And to me, I have kind of like the old uh, reformed view of this. It says uh, everything ultimately will, will, will glorify God, everything, um, including the stuff that we never thought would. Um, if you look at, at all the world as a symphony, even evil that uh, Satan commits in a, in a weird way, not to get weird and funky and go beyond what's written here in Scripture, but even if you look at the cross, I mean, you know, Joseph's old, you know, you meant this for evil, but God meant it for good. Um, what I think is evil and what is clearly evil, God in his sovereignty is able to work those things out in a way that on the backside of eternity, uh, we will see that it, it will praise him. As, as the scripture says, even the wrath of man shall praise you. Um, there's there's a, a, a lot, you know, the cross. Um, Judas betrays Jesus. It fulfills scripture. Uh, men, you know, he, he submits himself at the, at the hands of sinful men and he fulfills when it seems like he's in his greatest defeat and the evils won. Uh, he does the best thing that the universe has ever seen. So, you know, it doesn't matter to me. Like what, what I'm watching or listening to, uh, it doesn't have to be, um, you know, uh, on a Christian label, a Christian worship band per se. I can worship God to, I could be listening to jazz music. And just be amazed that God made my brain and jazz music and glorify him in that. Does that make sense? Yeah, I'm with you. And so the important thing is that you worship, you know. And um, so as we're looking at this issue today, um, you know, again, spiritual, physical, and mental health. 
those are three areas that you have to um, look after. And I, I don't know if you remember we talked about the marriage, uh, you know, of, of anyone. And I said there's basically three strands. There's spiritual, there's physical, and there is mental. And so he's broken it down um, in those three categories when he's talking about the health, the spiritual health, the physical health, and the mental health. And they are, are all interconnected because God has made us uh, psychosocial spiritual beings and um, physical psychosocial spiritual beings. So we are not just a soul. We are not just a body. You know, some Christians have you think the body is not important, just a soul. Well, that's a Gnostic teaching um, that, you know, scientists and, and, and evolutionists would say, well, you're just a body. It's all you are is a bunch of firing neurons. Um, but the reality is we are psycho, uh, physical, social and spiritual and all these things are interconnected you know your your whole body is interconnecting parts this the the ecosystem you know the the water system the solar system the you know the the uh the atmosphere it's all interconnected systems and so these things are all interconnected you know when one suffers the others are going to start suffering so it's good if we talk about that let me just read um what he says here he says Planners who responded say that they face struggles in the areas of personal health, the battle to overcome pride, self-reliance, drivenness, and uncoachable attitudes. Uh, two, loneliness and isolation. Three, mistrust of others. Four, lack of rest. Five, maintaining their joys. And it says, although most planners understand the importance of making personal development and family nurturing top priorities, these things often get lost in a planner's busyness. So, uh, yeah. What do you think about that, Pete? I can so relate to that. I mean, not obviously as a church planner, but just as a entrepreneur, a lot of, and we've talked about this before, you know, a lot of what a church plan, planner is, is very similar to, um, you know, how entrepreneurs are, how business owners are. But, you know, that whole first part, pride, not being coachable. Um, my gosh, do those things come into play in the entrepreneurial world? So I could totally see them coming into, into play in the church planner world. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. And, you know, it's funny because somebody, somebody said to me recently, they're like, man, I'd really like to uh, just hear Pete um, talk about. <laughs> That's what they say now. <laughs> Yeah. Well, Not after funny. you've heard me for a while, then it's like, he's like, no, no disrespect, but you should shut up and we should, you know, just let Pete talk. I'm like, oh, no, hey, that doesn't sound, you know, that sounds totally cool. Thanks for telling me to shut up. I kind of wonder what it's like when people listen to some of our interviews and it's like, I kick it off and then I say nothing <laughs> the rest of the episode. Well, you know when that is though. It's funny because I'm 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 detecting your pattern. It's normally when there's a book that you haven't read. That's when well, you don't that's like almost anything. every book. I, I'm not like the bulk of the books I read are not church planning books. And then half the time you're waxing fanboy, and it's like you know you've got this private conversation going on with the person instead of you know talking about the generics of the book you're you're diving deep on a you know specific passage in the book yeah so yeah yeah it's true yeah. it's true i was trying to look smart man i tell you that phil yancey is it is it working <laughs> no 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 one looks smart talking to philip yancey dude i felt like phil five phil yancey when you know him as well as we do phil or P dog <laughs> that's right people <laughs> understand what we're talking about on wednesday when they listen to the next episode but don't, next don't you, you even even if you can call him p dog don't you have to call him p lip dog p lip dog what are you talking about dude like bill you can't say oh that. i got gotcha. you yeah lip. yeah you gotta add that add on the there lip. huh p lip dog yeah i'm down or p dog lip i'm down you know what i don't think we put on that interview was uh when he told us how he got the uh the endorsement from philip yancey no, we put it on, didn't we? No, I think that was after. I think that was after we were done recording. People have no idea what we're talking about. You got to listen to Drew Dick's interview on a Wednesday. What a great name! I wish my name was Drew Dick. <laughs> Moving right along. I'm so trying not to laugh right now. <laughs> <laughs> I just I had to. 
scratch my scrunch my face up so bad. <laughs> this shows approval. <laughs> I don't approve. I don't approve. <laughs> I'm sorry. See, this is why we don't want Pete to actually talk more. But uh, uh, okay, Pete, go back to shutting up. Okay, right. okay. I'm going to talk now. <laughs> yeah. So moving on with the uh, the struggles that the church planner faces. I'm see, like I said though, I'm t- I'm totally get that. I totally feel that, man. I'm I'm right there, a hundred percent. I'm still laughing. You're man. still back on Drew Dick, aren't you? <laughs> That's his name. I think it's a great name. Oh no! Stop talking. Oh, I just I so <laughs> wish I had recorded that at the beginning when I was like, hey, so um, how no, exactly do no, you pronounce your last again. name? Oh, come on! You know that's why you're laughing. I dude, I get you. Oh, you're killing me. So, and and more because you know. Not supposed to say that. <laughs> what? What do you mean you're not supposed to say it? It's his name. No, you can't say it. You have to call him Drew. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so glad he was Drew such a the cool author guy. Author of Yawning at Tigers, dude. And I was so thinking the whole time because he's like, I'm a pastor's kid. I'm like, dude, this he's my man. This is my kind of guy right here. Yeah, he, he knows how to laugh. He knows how to have a good time. He's a he's a pastor's kid. I mean, this is my dude right here. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I forgot so, to tell everyone, you want to get uh, um, yawning, yawning at Tigers? Yawning yeah. at? Okay. Yeah. Make sure I'm saying that right. You can. We talked about the Audible version. And since our podcast listeners are great podcast listeners, you can get it for free if you go to audibletrial.com forward slash CPM. Of course, oh, your train comes by. Train. You better do it again. Beeps me out. Audibletrial.com forward slash CPM is in Church Planner Magazine. They'll give you a uh, free 30-day trial. I actually downloaded the um, Yawning at Tigers uh, on the Audible, so I could listen to it and because um, I've got a, that little service there. And if you do that, you get the first month free. And if you keep it, uh, somehow you put a little wind in our pirate sales. I think we get like a commission or something. So do really? it. Really? Yeah. Or at least Pete gets a commission. Puts a little wind in these pirate sales, baby. Put a little wind. <laughs> yeah, and if you want to give us some love, we we did have we did have the funniest uh, review I think so far on Church Planner podcast. Somebody went on there and reviewed the podcast, and they go, you know, Peyton's heart, and then parentheses, and sort of Pete's for the lost is really evident. (laughs) And sort of Pete. It was the best. I was laughing so hard. So, you know, um, if you want to really do something, you know, nice for us, there's a couple things you can do. Um, You know, it's all the ratings. You may not realize like those are important. Like, cause we know a lot of you guys listen to us, go on there, just take a minute and rate us because what that does is that bumps us up higher in the list. Um, right now we're number one in the church planning category. Church planter actually not church planting, which is a separate category. No kidding. Huh? I know. And it's like, we're struggling to get up on church planting. They got like podcasts that haven't even had a new episode in like five years on there. Yeah. Yeah, so we got to beat them out. Maybe, maybe we'll go up. Uh, and our, our buddy Scott Blair, who does the Wrestling with God uh, podcast, they've only had 17 episodes, and he's got more reviews than us. Come on, guys. Come on. Come on. Guys. So, so do that. That'll help us. What it actually helps us do, too, is get more advertising um, because it, it increases our listenership. So we're counting on you guys, man. If you're, if you're part of the Church Planner Posse, man, um, come on. You know, Grab the banner and carry us forward. So... We just need you guys to do reviews. Also, if you've read Church Zero, uh, <laughs> um, give that a review too, because that's up to right now. I checked; it was eighty-one reviews, which ain't bad. Because you know, I don't, uh, I haven't done anything to secure those. But if you want to give a review of that, that would be awesome. But only five-star reviews. <laughs> <laughs> you get enough of the one, two, and three stars, huh? I, d- you know, it's so funny, dude. I think uh, uh, maybe a third of them. Are one and two star because that that book just takes people off. <laughs> Wait till they read my next one. Nice. They, anyway, back to okay, our topic so, at hand. <clears throat> all right. So here here's the deal. So you know we're talking about uh, how do you ensure that your health is going to uh, you know kind of stay at a, at a at an optimum level. Well, uh, first off, I, I know this sounds stupid. 
but I have worked with church planners where I feel almost kind of like, you know, remember like when Elijah got all moody and he was like, God, just kill me now. Moses did that. I just, you know, with Elijah, when he was all down and depressed and God kill me and I can't go on and, you know, I'm all, you know, I'm tired and God just lets him sleep and eat. And a lot of guys that I work with, I can just tell they're super unhealthy. They don't eat well. They don't eat fruit and veg. Um, they're not taking care of their bodies. And just think about it now, guys. You know, they, they may not be taking like a multivitamin supplement. You expend a lot of mental energy. And because of that, you can get worn down. The, the, the scientists know that uh, your anxiety level will greatly increase your chance of getting sick and debilitating your health, heart disease, hypertension, on and on, cancer. Um, a lot of it's related to what goes on in the mind, right? So it, it's not necessarily uh, your body, but the way to keep your mind healthy, ironically, is by keeping your body healthy. So um, your uh, brain feeds off of all the stuff. That you, if you're drinking water, you're doing all this. Just imagine when you're tired. What does your brain do? You get all funky. When you're sick, you get all emotional, right? Pete Pete throws things at Jamie, you know, uh, <laughs> cries a lot. Dude, don't even be saying that. People are going to think that's true. I know. You're not secure enough in your manhood to let the joke ride. <laughs> what people do have to understand is that my wife does throw things. <laughs> That's the God's honest truth. And like, I remember when we were first married and like, she'd get ticked. This is back when you had pagers, right? I remember her throwing her pager across the room and like breaking it. And I was like, I don't get that. You just broke your pager. That's just like, dude, so stupid. I don't get it. Dude, when me and my wife got married, it was like the bat cave, man. There's batterings flying all over the place, like shoes, books. It was crazy. <gasps> But anyways, the, she didn't uh, throw it at me, I should say. She threw it because of me, though. What's I mean, the biggest thing she's ever thrown at you? She's never thrown anything at me. Oh, okay. She's just, thrown, just across the room. Yeah, she gets mad, and she would like pick something up and throw it. And I was like, I, I don't mad. get that. Why, why are you breaking stuff? Like That doesn't make any sense. I once got mad in an argument, and I got so mad. Andrew still calls it the Night of the Incredible Hulk. I got so mad that I, I was just so frustrated that I tore my shirt. I had a collar shirt on and I <laughs> tore it open and all the buttons popped off. And I went like that. I was just so frustrated. And, uh, and I, and we had the CD cabinet and I totally turned it over. And my wife just looked at me and started laughing. I was just so frustrated, like trying to like say something in this argument. And I, I see, I don't get that. Like, why would you break your own stuff? How does that benefit you? Oh, dude. Dude, seriously, with my upbringing, I was doing well just to, you know, turn that CD cabinet over. Those days are long past, let me tell you. But, oh, man, when I first got married, my temper, oh, gosh, and my wife, oh, man, both of our tempers are terrible. So, But but going back to this thing, think about when you're sick, right, um, or you're, you haven't gotten enough sleep, what your mind does. Your mind just goes wiggy, and you get depressed, and you get – so God gives him proper nutrition – and he gives him sleep. And that's uh, for some guys, that's the key is exercise. Even if it's walking with the wife, right? Um, once a day for 30 minutes. Now you've just killed two birds with one stone. Now you're walking with her. So you're talking and you're listening, right? You, you should talk less. She should talk. Don't go and talk to her. All oh, these problems in the church, they hate that crap, right? Um, listen to them. Listen to the stuff about the kids' preschool. Listen to the stuff about with the deal she found at Target. Just listen, listen, and talk and give feedback. But now you're walking. You're getting your blood going 30 minutes a day. Um, eat good stuff. And, uh, yeah, man, you know, um, feed your body. And that feeds your mind. So I'm, I'm, I'm putting my nurse hat on, my high heels and my skirt. And I'm telling you, you know, you, you, ironically, your, your body will take care of your brain. Okay? So um, that's where the – but it's it, the mind is more important, but the body feeds the brain. So – um, the, the brain is an organ. So, uh, so you need to do sometimes those physical things. And that's one of the things you, you got to keep your physical health up if you're going to keep your mental health up. Uh, the second thing is you need friends. And I highly recommend, um, that on your team, 
you have friends, that the guys that you serve with, you make them your best friends. But understand what I'm about to say. You and that they drink. Friends. What's that? Nothing. Nothing. Yeah, and, and understand this now. They, you need friends outside of your leadership. Guys who don't kiss your butt. Guys who don't hear you preach. Guys who know you. Guys who know your ministry. Guys who know your family. Um, guys who love your family. Guys who respect what you do. But guys who are completely disconnecting from anything you do. They can just speak into your life and just treat you like a normal dude and talk to you and sometimes say, hey, man, I think you got some bitterness going on there. That is essential for your mental health. And there's another reason. For your wife's mental health, a lot of guys don't realize this, and I, I've had to learn this over the years. You cannot dump everything on your wife. Um, you should talk to, to your wife about everything, but you should be controlled in how you do it. Um, for example, uh, you might, as a, you know, most guys, right, we're out to conquer the world and you might have a million ideas in a day. The way that God has, um, kind of structured a, a wife and built her and pieced her together is that when you start talking about what you could do, and you may just be being hypothetical, in her mind, she starts prepping for it because she's a settler, right? She, she needs to settle down. She's, she's mama bear. She's got the family. She's got the kids. So she immediately goes into settling mode. And if you're always upsetting her um, and unsettling her with these hypothetical ideas, um, one guy likened it to uh, spousal, like mental abuse because it's too much for her. So you need a dude that you can tell all your crazy ideas to and get him all excited and whatever. And when things are a little more serious, it's not just you talking smack. Then you come and talk to your wife and say, hey, can we pray about this? You know, I'm thinking very seriously about, you know, joining, uh, you know, the reserve uh, military or I'm thinking about, you know, whatever it is. Joining uh, Peyton Jones's jump school program. Cha-ching! Which we haven't really talked about <laughs> no, yet. No, we haven't. <laughs> What about, um, you know, you mentioned the whole pride and uh, coachability issue. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I've never struggled with that, to be honest. So <laughs> yeah. really no, you've never struggled with pride. Never. But no, uh, I mean, Pete Mitchell's my partner. <laughs> but, but you need that, right? It's kind of like you and I, right? I, I remember when we first started working together and, you know, I never take myself too seriously. Uh, but I, I remember you going, we have just the right amount of disrespect for each other. I said, well, the correct statement was we have the right amount of respect and disrespect for each other. <laughs> and, and you need that, you know, you need someone who's not going to kiss your butt at all times. And that, that's what I'm saying is as far as pride, you need people to speak into your life. And, and, and I think you need to walk with God. He'll be the number one check. The number two check on your pride will be your wife. The number three check will be all the times you fail because you will fail. I mean, you know, just being in the pulpit is enough to, to bust you up. But after a while, you can get so good at the pulpit that you, you know, might be able to carry an audience. Doesn't mean you're empowered with the Holy Spirit, but it, it means that, you know, maybe you can walk away and go, yeah, I'm the stuff. And then you're in danger. Then you need someone to just talk to you straight. And, you know, um, uh, I, I don't know if I, a few years ago, there was a, a a guy. I'm trying to remember his name. He wrote a book called Humility, and I can't I can't believe I can't remember his name right now. <laughs> he was too humble. Uh, yeah, it was cross centered life and humility. And I, duh. Um, but anyways, his elder said to him, "Hey, you know, we're noticing stuff um, in you right now. Where you know you're changing. You're getting really driven. You're getting really angry. Um, blah blah blah." John Piper the same. Um, where he has a, a group of elders who look after him. And say, hey, man, you know, uh, we think you need a break and just take a break, you know. And, and Well, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned this because if you uh, remember the interview that we did with Sean Lovejoy, which will be playing um, next week, uh, he talks about that. And he talks about how he just had to go to his church and say, all right, you know, um, from now on, you know, I think it was like two days. These are the two days that you guys can call me, but I'm not taking your calls outside of that. I need that time with my family. And, um, you know, just having that, that, I don't even know what you call it, but that, that limitation, that boundary of, yeah, this it's is like a vacation. Yeah. I've got to set the line that this is, this is the part of my life that you can, 
you know, invade, if you will, because I know you need that, but I've got to save a portion for my family and I, I will, you know, respect that. Like I know with you specifically, um, I don't know what the day of the week is now, but it used to be Wednesdays. I knew I was never going to talk to you on Wednesday because Wednesday was your day with your family. And, um, (laughs) I think your wife would kill you if you talked to anybody, especially me. But yeah, um, my wife is youngest of seven. She can hit hard. So, you know, um, I don't get the phone on my day off. I just don't. And, and you have to establish that boundary. And then people kind of, I mean, you were always really good. And you, you didn't ring me on my day off. As soon as I told you, boom. But there are other people that will incessantly, maybe they forget or they think, oh, well, this is really important. To me, when I answer the phone on my day off, it's literally telling my wife, this is more important than our time together. And so as a church planner, so that's why you would do it when she's in the store and you're like, all right, oh, she's coming absolutely. out. I gotta go. I gotta go. <laughs> absolutely. Like we'll be, we'll be at like the zoo or something. Then like, I'll be sitting on a planner while they're in the bathroom. And I like call Pete. Hey, what are you doing? <laughs> kind of oh, she's, on coming, the she's coming. She's coming. I gotta go. <laughs> I gotta go. <laughs> she sees me. I'm hiding behind the plant. <laughs> But, you know, I don't want her to feel like, you know, like she's not important. She's not. And I do, man. I, I long for my day off. It's so nice. I've learned to love it. I was a total workaholic when I got married. And I still have a workaholic that, that lurks under the surface. I've talked about my schedule, talked about how I balance ministry and family. Um, I'm an early riser. I am, I am such, I have to have my cave time. Like if I wake up late and I don't get time uh, to sit and I don't care even if it's watching like adventure time on YouTube, man, I don't care what it is. I have to have time in the morning for a few hours where it's just me and God and, you know, whatever. And I need that. My brain is wired that way. I'm a morning person. Once I get that, I'm good. And I can switch off after eight hours of work. Right. But I like. You know, this morning, like I got a. You know, here's a question for you along those lines. And I'm sure no church planner needs to know this, but I need to know this. How do you divvy up your time with God between reading the Bible and praying? Because that's one of the things that I struggle with. Like, it's way easier for me to read the Bible than to set aside time specifically for prayer. Like, I pray all the time, but I pray like conversationally with God throughout the day. Hey, you know, God, this is what I got going on. You know, stuff like that. Not like that's really seeking though. God though in prayer. And like, but that's brilliant. Like uh, we have made the quiet time. Um, and I believe we should pray. And I believe that we should have time set aside for God. I believe that we should have even whole days. Uh, occasionally I don't do them that often, but um, occasionally I'll set aside a whole whole day and kind of go on a pilgrimage with God. Um, but I, I think that, um, what you're saying about praying throughout the day, you have to, you have to break out of the, I had my quiet time mentality because then you don't pray through the day. Um, you're like, Oh, done, dusted, did it. I'm a good Christian pat on the back away. I go and into the rest of the day, you check God behind your back and you don't give him a second thought. And it's weird. Like it, it, we've developed unwittingly this weird culture of praying alone by yourself when there's no distraction. We'll talk about no distractions and on and on. Um, but there should be a flow and a rhythm throughout your day of being in communion with God. And, um, that's what you're hitting on. Um, praying. Do I pray? Yes, because, uh, in, in the morning, do I, I try when I'm, when I'm reading the Bible, I try to to pray. First thing I do is I go straight into the word um, because I suck in the morning at being brilliant. I know I said I'm a morning person, but um, I'm not fully awake. And so what I do is I read a devotional. I, I uh, read my Bible and then I, um, then I pray and I pray like I read, how do I put it? Like Amos right now. I know it sounds stupid, but Amos is on fire to me. Like I'm reading Amos and I feel like God is directly speaking to my heart. So I read the Bible as if God is speaking, like I wait on God when I'm reading. So there is a communion aspect already. I don't expect to just know what God was saying then. I expect 
and you know, I've lectured Old Testament. I've read very technically the Old Testament, so I know all the context, the history, the the, the grammatical syntax, and blah blah blah. But um, my my heart is is engaging God. But then I pray because I'm a selfish son of a gun, and I need to sit down and discipline. This is where discipline comes in for me, and I suck at it. Um, and it usually takes me a long time because I suck at it so bad. So if I tell people, oh, I pray a long time in the morning, it's because I suck at it. It's because it probably takes me three times longer than the average person to actually have something that's kind of like, well, that was decent. You know, because um, I, I keep wanting to pray about my stuff and my things. And so I have to discipline myself. And often I walk through the Lord's Prayer. Hmm. Um, I first pray, Our Father. And I think, you know, I think of our. Well, we're all connected together. So right away I'm thinking of others. And then I go into Father. And I, I just let God love on me a bit and um, be my dad and, you know, and then I go into uh, hallowed be your name and immediately I'm thinking about him and who he is and how awesome he is and how he made the world and, you know, he made me and I'm not the center of everything after all, even though I feel like I am. Boom, boom, boom. Do you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I have to go through that almost as an, a deprogramming exercise to how I normally think, right? Because I'm the center of the universe as a center. And the Holy Spirit in me is constantly changing my mind about that. But, um, you know, uh, your kingdom come. Uh, I mean, most of what I do in, in, in my life is devoted towards expanding the kingdom of God, sometimes at, at personal cost and personal hurt. So that one is, is fun. I like praying that one. Your will be done, not so much. Yeah. <laughs> Don't like that one. But... Forgiving other people, that one, I can't say it sucks because it's really awesome, you know, if I want to be PC about it. But I, I have to pray that every day. You, you know, Pete, there's, there's times like people screwed me over, ripped me off, whatever. <laughs> you know who I am. I get really hurt about it, man. Like, you know, almost kind of like uh, that scene in Braveheart where, you know, he gets knocked off, you know, uh, he knocks a dude off his horse and it's like the king of sky. And you're like, dude, like a two brute, like. I, I expected more of you. So um, stuff like that, I still have hurts that I carry around that have to go before Jesus every day. Um, and I'm picking up new ones all the time. So I, does that kind of, I just got to keep doing it like anyone else, you know? So you read for a bit and then you go into your prayer time. I do. Yeah. Because I find if, if my, it's almost like a coat, a, a coat rack to rest my prayer on is what I've read. And, um, and I do directly, before I even go into the, the Lord's Prayer as a guide, um, I'll freeform it off of what I wrote, or I mean, uh, off of what I read for a while. Mm. You know, I'll, I'll respond, even if I have to pause and talk to the Lord about it. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's, that's how I do it. How do you do it? That's why I was I asking. Like to do it. Oh, no, I was asking because, you know, I'll, I'll find myself reading more like one of the habits I think I've, I've finally gotten myself out of is the whole um, I want to read the Bible for the sake of reading the Bible, as opposed to reading the Bible for the sake of, you know, hearing what does God want to say to me through this? And, you know, um, cause there is a difference, right? I mean, you know, I, I can't tell you how many times, I mean, I, I remember back looking at some of my old Bibles, I have these little check marks next to the books that I had read and I'm like, Oh yeah, you know, knocked off another book, you know, like a, like a six shooter, you know, put it back in my holster. Great, man. Got that one knocked out, but that's not really, you know, reading the book. I mean, yeah, yeah I read the story, yeah. but there's more to it than that. And yeah. um, so for me, like when I read, I read um, a little bit in the new Testament. I usually started off with the new Testament and then a little bit in the old Testament. And, um, and sometimes I don't even make it to the old Testament only because usually something I just read in the new Testament just totally grabbed me. Like yesterday is a great example. I got 15 verses in, in, um, and first Corinthians, I don't remember which chapter it was. And I just had to stop after that. And I was like, man, I cannot believe this came up today of all days. Um, 
And for me in that situation, it was easier for me just to go right into prayer right then because I was like, God, I, I know you, you know, of all days, this is the day you have me read this section. Yeah. And, yeah. um, but I mean, but that's, that's, that's a rarity, right? That doesn't happen a lot. Like for me, I'll find myself reading. I get so captivated by the stories, especially old Testament stories. Right. I mean, you know, I just, uh, right now I'm reading through first Kings and, um, you know, <laughs> I love reading the stories. Uh, one of the, uh, the stories that I just read that I, I just thought was actually so appropriate for church planners was um, one of the prophets. I don't even, I don't have his name right here in front of me. I'll have to, to look it up. HBB knob. <laughs> I have no I idea. Made, well, actually, I didn't make that up. That's actually in the Bible. You know He-Man's in the Bible? No, I didn't know He-Man was yeah. in the Bible. He-Man the Ezraite. But it was, uh, it was one of the prophets. And, oh, can um, I just say this? There, there is a group of people, too, called the Suckim. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah, the here Suckim. it is. Here it is. It's in... Uh, First Kings 13, the prophet's disobedience is the subtitle in, um, in, uh, starts in uh, verse 11. So anyway, you know, um, God had told this prophet, you know, don't go back to the land. Don't eat any bread. Don't eat any, drink any water. Um, avoid it completely. Right. And so then this other prophet hears it and goes, Oh, Hey, you know, um, uh, I'm a prophet as you are. And an angel spoke to me by way of the Lord saying, Bring him back with you to your house that he may eat bread and drink water. But he lied to him. So he went back to him and he ate bread in his house and drank water. And then, of course, uh, what happens in the story is um, God sends a lion to kill the prophet. (laughs) You know, not the one that lied to him, but the one that did what God told him not to do. And I I just thought that was so, like, appropriate for, like, church planners because a lot of times, you know, God's telling us to do something and... uh, and then we hear from another church leader, and you know, and we respect that other church leader. And he's going, "Well, you know, I think you should do this," and we get off track. But that's not what God called us to do. Does that make sense? Absolutely, man. Absolutely. And so you end up finding yourself di- dead on the side of the road with a uh, you know lion that just uh, mauled <laughs> yeah. you. I always, I always love those stories, man. And then two she bears came out. And <laughs> yes, yeah. I love those, man. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I, I want to write a book that's like a commentary just on those passages, you know. But uh, you know, and you know, the lesson of that, guys, is don't make fun of bald people. That was, uh, yeah, that's a little uh, Paul's story. This was not. This was not. Mine was not Paul's story. Yeah. So you know, uh, yeah. I mean, if if we're talking about you know our our mental and physical and spiritual health. Um, you have to understand that you are, as a church plan, you're needing to come before God for perspective constantly because you live in what Ed Stetzer calls an atmosphere of scarcity. Um, and he says he calls it the lack of or scarcity environment. And the problem is you're always dealing at a certain stage with, you know, the, the appearance that something's dying. And so you need faith. You need a supernatural bolus shot, man, a, an injection, a shot in the arm to keep you going. And the Holy Spirit can do that. Remember when, when Paul's like, oh, I'm taking off. I'm, I'm leaving the city. And the Lord appears to him and says, Paul, I have many people reserved uh, from my name in the city. In other words, he's telling him, Paul, don't give up, man. Um, you know, there are people that are going to come to faith in the city. And we all need that. And you're only going to get that from the Lord. Notice Paul didn't like turn somewhere else. But I would say, you know, uh, read biographies. Uh, you know, one of the things I learned from Lloyd Jones, uh, not personally because we didn't know each other. I, I, I was, I think he died when I was like seven. Um, I know it was after Star Wars came out. It was 81, 81. So he might have seen Star Wars. I don't know. Just saying. But, uh, one of the things that he would say is when he got tired, he goes, some people go on vacations, which I highly recommend. But he said, but I go to the 18th century. In other words, he would pick up a book and he'd read about like George Whitfield or John Wesley, the Great Awakening. And that would give him like a shot in the arm because he would be reminded of the power of the Holy Spirit and what God could do through guys that were just faithfully preaching the gospel and well, you know, those guys were very experiential in their walk with God, and it would just refresh his soul. He'd be like, you know, that's how the Lord refreshes me. 
And um, if you if you know Psalm twenty three, it's walking with Jesus as the good shepherd. It's it's letting him restore your soul. You know, he says he restores my soul. He he leads me into pastures green. He sets a, a feast, a banquet table um, in the presence of my enemies. You need all that. You need God to uh, do all that. And David, as a leader, knew that the only person that's going to do that is the shepherd man of of my soul. So you need all of those things to stay healthy. And so I think that's probably all that we're going to um, uh, you know um, hit on that. But one of the resources that Ed Stetzer recommends. Uh, and if Wayne Cordero were on here, we'd make him say cha-ching, so we're going to say it for him. But uh, it's called Leading on Empty, Refilling Your Tank, and Renewing. Stupid train! Telling you, there's a there's a conspiracy. <laughs> the train is like, no one's being plugged but Amtrak today. Um, <laughs> leading on, on Empty, Refilling Your Tank, and Renewing Your Passion, and that's by Wayne Cordero. Cha-ching! So, uh, cha-ching! So, uh, so that's it. So, Hey, you know what? Um, that, that's all I got to say about that today. Stay healthy. And, uh, you know, that's it. Cool. I dig it, man. All right. Well, this has been the church planner podcast reminding you, if you want to reach the ones nobody's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the church planner podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Music